You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. We are doing this series called Life and New Creation. We've got this Sunday and next Sunday, and we'll be wrapping that up. And if we are in Christ, if we have received God's amazing gift of salvation uh, through Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, we are new creations. Uh, as scripture tells us, the old has gone and all things are new, as we sang this morning. And we enter into this newness of life and we continue to grow. Uh, we are new creations and we are becoming new creations simultaneously. This morning, I, I want to talk about one of the ways in which we do that and one of the ways in which we see this process of being made new uh, continue in our life, and it's that of confession and repentance. I want to talk specifically this morning about joy in confession and repentance. Now, for a long time, I associated the spiritual practice of confession with Catholicism. I grew up in a, in a small rural Georgia town where there was no Catholic church. Uh, any of the few folks that I knew who were Catholic had to go to mass uh, in one of the uh, adjoining counties, but there wasn't a Catholic church, and there still isn't a Catholic congregation in Lincoln County. Uh, and so, you know, I, I'd always sort of associated this idea with confession, the confessional booth. And of course, I've never been in a confessional booth, but I've seen lots of them in movies and television. And they typically, I, I just, uh, they're usually funny or some sort of connection with the mafia. So I, you know, <laughs> I know that that's probably not factual, probably not, I'm sure it's not. Uh, but, you know, in, in my early study of Scripture, I soon realized that confession is not just for our Catholic brothers and sisters. It certainly is not. Uh, a, a very Protestant German theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, wrote in his classic Life Together that confession is discipleship. And it is. It's a vital part of our ongoing growth in Christ. And so to confess is basically this, to, to agree with God, to agree with God about the seriousness of sin. Uh, we acknowledge that we have not been living in alignment with God's best for us, his good and loving best. Uh, the way that uh, we have been living has been hurtful not only to ourselves, to others. It's been uh, disappointing to God. Uh, we we confess and we also repent. We repent, we turn away from sin, but that's not the whole picture of repentance because we turn away from sin in order to turn to Jesus. That's the full expression of repentance. It requires both the turning away from sin, the turning to Jesus. We realize, you know what, my life's going in the wrong direction. I don't like where this is headed. So I choose to make a course correction by following Jesus Christ and, and making him my Lord and Savior. And for those who are in Christ, we uh, don't see confession and repentance as a one and done, but this is to be an ongoing part of our spiritual journey. 
The Apostle John expresses this concept of the need for confession and repentance. He does it very succinctly in his first letter uh, to the early church. He says this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, how we actually practically put this into play uh, and how this is a vital part of us truly living a life as new creations. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. So, confession, repentance. By trusting in Jesus, we receive the wonderful gift of salvation through confession and repentance, as as John lays this out here for us. Uh, Confession and repentance launches our relationship with God, enabling us to be these new creations. But as I have mentioned, confession and repentance is not a one and done Because we want to continue this relationship. We want to continue experiencing this newness in Christ. So by trusting the Holy Spirit, we experience this thing called sanctification, this thing of of, of being made more and more like Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit in us, again, through the same means, confession and repentance, Uh, inviting sanctification, the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. When John writes about confession in his first letter here in 1 John, uh, he does so as an invitation to joy. It's an invitation to joy. This is not about meeting some sort of religious standard, but he is writing to the early church who are in Christ, but he's inviting them into a fullness of joy. He says this in verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete. So this, this whole thing of confession and repentance, this is not about just a religious checklist that we need to be you know, going down the list and checking off in terms of some sort of empty ritual. This is all about relationship. As we've said from the very first Sunday in this series of new creation, this is all about relationship. It's, it's about keeping the relationship with God fresh and, and filled with joy. Uh, it keeps it growing, this relationship growing. It is all about relationship. It always has been. It always will be about relationship. And we see this right from the beginning of scripture. 
I, I feel sort of like a broken record because we keep going back to this precedent that we see in the Garden of Eden where God created this beautiful paradise. He created Adam and Eve. Uh, they had perfect relationship in the garden and then Adam and Eve sin. And we see that uh, when they sin, that the transparency, the innocence, the intimacy is shattered. They run, they hide from God. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see the very first recorded dialogue between God and humanity. And it goes something like this. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? And I think that for some of us, we read that, we see that question, and we think of it almost as maybe an arresting officer coming to do a manhunt for us, that we've committed a crime, and the search is on to find us, to put us in jail, and to throw away the key. And I want to submit to you that that is not the posture that our perfect, loving, heavenly Father came to Adam and Eve with. Is he asked them this question, or that when he comes to us and he asks, where are you? It is a loving, perfect father who is, has lost their child. They know where, you know, of course, you know, go with me on this. We know that God doesn't lose anything. We know he's holy, he's perfect. But it's that sentiment of a perfect, loving father who is eager to find and to bring back their child. Think about a frantic moment that you've had when you've lost your child at an amusement park. And I don't say that to, to you know, uh, predict anything happening with you or your family this summer. So it, it, don't go there. But, I mean, that, that sort of frantic feeling. And, of course, God doesn't get frantic. He doesn't lose his cool. He's not anxious. But just the, the heart, the sentiment, the desire, the, the I want you I'm not mad at you. I love you, and I want you to return. And that is the posture of, of, of this. And through confession and repentance, we do. We find our way back to God, and we're able to live each day in his presence. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. We see this not only uh, with, with Adam and Eve, we see this in so many instances throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Uh, the life of David. We know David, King David, a man after God's own heart. David was in relationship with God, and then he found himself just doing a deep dive in sin, uh, adultery, which led to murder and all kinds of just wrongdoing. But David is confronted by the prophet Nathan. And I see the prophet Nathan, is, is, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's empowered by the Spirit of God. Uh, and the Spirit of God prompts Nathan to go to David. Uh, and, and in his prompting, David confesses to the sin. And it was the first part of David's recovery, of David's moving back into uh, a relationship filled with joy. And he, he puts it this way in Psalm 32. He said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For night and day, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged 
my sin to you, I confessed it, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And that's not just for David. That is for all of us who will come in repentance, who will come in an acknowledgement of our sinfulness. Psalm 51 is David's prayer of repentance. And I got to acknowledge, I've used it many, many times as a template for my own repentance. Uh, when I find myself just mired in my, my waywardness and the sin that comes as a result of just getting away from God and not drawing near I love David's cry, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and block out, blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. I encourage you, if you are in that place and when you are in that place, of just needing that, that, that just hard expression of repentance. Psalm 51 is that wonderful template because as followers of Jesus, we need to be regularly washed. Uh, those, those parts of our lives, those parts of our personality, that they get dusty and they get dirty because it's just, it happens. We sin, we are sinned against, Often when we are sinned against, we have a sinful response. It's like a, a domino effect that can occur. You know, in John chapter 13, Jesus uh, was washing his disciples' feet. And if you remember the story, uh, you remember that as he went to wash Peter's feet, that, you know, Peter's like, Jesus, you're not going to do this. This is a task for a lowly slave. And you're our Savior. You're our Messiah. You're not going to do this. And, and, and Jesus clarified for Peter, like, Peter, if you, don't, if you don't let me do this, you can have no part of me. And of course, as Peter is prone to do, he goes to extremes and says, okay, God, not just my feet, but my, my whole body. But, but Jesus clarifies with him. He says, those who have had a bath, those who are in me, like Peter, uh, need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And Peter, you are clean, but your feet, they get dirty. Stuff happens. Life happens. And God calls us. And the idea uh, and the concept and the experience of living in new creation requires that we have this reg regular rhythm of confession and repentance. It's not a one and done. It, it is a one and done for salvation, uh, but it should, never be, uh, an, uh, it should be a never-ending practice for spiritual growth in our hearts and lives to become Christ-like. Um, with regular confession and repentance, these parts of ourselves receive the cleansing that we need. I mean, have you ever wondered why Jesus included in his prayer, the prayer that he taught his disciples, forgive us uh, our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins, our debts, as we forgive. We're going to talk about the role of forgiveness next week. I hope you'll be here for, uh, for that. But this doesn't mean that being open and being willing to live a life and have a rhythm of confession and repentance, it doesn't mean that we need to be constantly doing a deep dive of introspection, hunting for all those things in our lives that are not perfect. That's not what this is about. 
As we sang this morning, we need to daily pray, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Come and do your transforming work in my heart, in my life. Come Holy Spirit and, and, and show me my sin. And we don't need to avoid this, okay? We don't need to avoid this because he comes to us. He comes to us in love. He does not come to condemn us. Con condemnation is the work of our enemy. Condemnation is the work of Satan and his dark kingdom. It is not the work of, of God. It is not the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of, of Satan. And so when we feel condemned, we know that is not God. That is not our loving Father coming to us saying, where are you? That's the work of the enemy. But when we open our hearts and lives to the Holy Spirit, he will show us our sin and he will invite us and welcome us to receive forgiveness, healing, freedom, and ultimately his love. That is what the call, where are you? As the Holy Spirit calls out to us today, that is what he has in mind. He is loving and we can and we should trust the work of the Holy Spirit in each one of us, not only in us, but in the lives of those around us as well. We can and we should trust the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't have to tell you that there's a lot of emphasis in our culture about this thing called self-awareness, right? It, it's a good thing in and of itself, self-awareness. Self of course, this isn't a new thing, a la Socrates, know thyself. This is not a new concept. But as followers of Jesus, we need to make sure that our self-awareness is rooted in Christ and it is constantly being revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Show me, Lord. Show me, as David said, show me my heart. Show me, show me. Let me see, as he says in Psalm 139, uh, if there is anything in me that is not pleasing. God, what is your best for me? And that's, that's what our self-awareness as followers of Jesus should be rooted in. Uh, rooted in Christ, revealed on an ongoing basis through our relationship, that intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, there are things, obviously we have God's word and it's really clear those things that we are to do and things that we're not to do. But then there are other things in living life that, that maybe are gray, that sort of fall into that gray category. And I, and I want to encourage you, that is where we need to really press in and say, Holy Spirit, what, what, is, what, what is right in this situation? I mean, I, I, I was thinking about that this week, and, and I can recall there was a, there was a time that I, I had a, a, just a, a conflict with a brother in the Lord. And, and I looked at the whole situation, and it's like, okay, you know, I, I was like, this happened, this happened, you know, uh, we, we didn't see eye to eye on this, and... Uh, we parted ways, and it was very unpleasant, and I didn't enjoy it. It was hurtful, and it was just like, wow. And in, in looking at what had happened, I talked to several colleagues and some friends, and just like, you know, what do you, what do you see in this? And they're like, hey, Risa, you know, I, I think you handled it right. And it's like, all right. But I just didn't have that peace. And I kept asking the Holy Spirit, you know, what would you have me do? And, <clears throat> and I felt very, very clearly the Lord say, Go and apologize. It's like, well, Lord, I didn't do anything. That was my defense mechanism, right? 
I, I, didn't, I, I really, you know, what am I going to apologize for? Am I going to apologize? I'm sorry that you were hurt. I'm sorry that you got your feelings hurt. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've all done those, those fun, veiled, passive-aggressive apologies. That is not repentance, okay? That's not godly repentance. Uh, but I did. I just went to the guy, and I was like, hey, I just want to let you know I am, I am sorry for what I did and for what I didn't do that maybe you were expecting and maybe you needed from me. And there was no great, you know, angelic choir singing and Disney movie, uh, you know, uh, ending and effects, special effects. It wasn't anything like that, but I had a peace. I had a peace that I knew was from the Lord and to be able to move forward. And I know that at the end of the day, it was about God, what would you have me do in this situation? And and that's where, that's where confession and repentance should be part of our ongoing discipleship. Uh, last Sunday, we honored our graduates and we gave them all uh, Proverbs, uh, the Proverbs of the message. And um, one of the Proverbs, as I was, I was reading through that uh, and, and writing some notes to some of our graduates, uh, I, I came across this, you know, Proverbs 28, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And that is a wonderful promise of God. That is a wonderful invitation to live wisely so that we can experience God's mercy and, and just experience just his goodness in, his, in, in, in all its ways. Um, this is something, obviously, confession and repentance, that is very much a, a vertical thing. It's something that we do with God. Uh, that out of that intimate personal relationship, but it's not just one dimensional. Confession and repentance is also to be horizontal. It's not just vertical. It is we are called to let this also be a, a horizontal experience uh, with other Christ followers. This is a powerful way for us to live out the gospel together, so that it not is just this textbook thing that is theory. But it is something that we are truly living out as brothers and sisters in Christ. James puts it this way, and, and where we have Proverbs in the Old Testament, uh, James, the book of James, is very much our, our book of wisdom for the New Testament. And he says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It's like confessing my sins to my brother or sister? Like, really? That's sort of scary. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want them to think poorly of me? Why would I want to come clean on this kind of stuff? Uh, maybe, you know, they'll throw it up in my face. And I got to tell you, I'm just going to be honest with you. I've had that happen. And you probably have too, where you were, you know, coming clean and only to you know, maybe weeks or months later, have it thrown right back in your face. But you know what? God is good and he's merciful and he protects us and he honors his word and he, he, he will keep his promises. So just because we continue to live in sinful reaction and response to our obedience does not mean that we become disobedient. We want to still always pursue obedience. God always blesses obedience uh, and that's why it's so important for us to have a Christ-centered, trusted community 
with which we can grow spiritually. I'm not saying, you know, you need to go find anybody and confess your sins to. No, don't do that indiscriminately. Scripture, Jesus himself said, hey, you know, don't cast your pearls before swine. I mean, that wasn't a put down on pigs because the Lord knows we know the blessing of bacon, right? So that's not a put down on pigs. But it's just the fact that pigs can appreciate pearls. And there are people and relationships in our lives that cannot appreciate the, the preciousness of us coming and confessing, I'm struggling with this sin. I'm struggling with this addiction. I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with lust. And that we don't do that in some sort of contrived, manipulative, calculated way, but we're doing it because we're wanting to bring what is in the darkness into the light. Because if you go back and you read 1 John chapter 1, that's what this is all about, about bringing what is in the darkness into the light. And in God's light, there can be healing. There can be freedom. There can be rescue. But as we leave things in the dark, uh, it, it stays dark. It stays hidden. It stays heavy in our hearts and lives. And that's why we encourage you, consider, uh, consider a small group, build relationship, build community so that you have those safe people and those safe places where you're able to come and say, you know what? I'm really struggling in my marriage. I, would you pray for me? Would you? Uh, and, and as we do that, we also, as we, as we confess our sins one to another, not just for the sake of staying mired down in our sin, but as we encourage each other and pray for each other and strengthen each other, we see one another experiencing breakthrough and victory, and we can be encouraged by that, and we can encourage one another. And so confession is acknowledgement. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this message, confession does involve us getting serious about sin and agreeing with God about how bad sin is. But it's so much more than just that. Confession is also to agree with God about who we are in Christ, who he's made us to be, who he's purposed us to be. It's about claiming and, and living in the incredible promise that John lays out in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 9. And with the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we can, as we confess our sins, we can experience uh, freedom. We can experience the, the work of the Holy Spirit, making us more and more like Christ, who is our sure foundation as we daily live in the forgiveness of God. It is about putting on the ransomed and the healed, restored, forgiven identity that Jesus won for all of us through his life, his death, and his resurrection. So we can come to God in confession, and we don't have to fear rejection. We don't have to fear condemnation. But as the Holy Spirit reveals to us our sins, we, we find that he offers us forgiveness and accept it acceptance and it's rooted in God's perfect, perfect love. And so that's why this is such a powerful part of us continuing to grow in Christ-likeness. This morning, I feel like maybe the Lord is saying to some of us, where are you? 
where are you? Maybe you've never been in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never received his gift of salvation. Or maybe you have, but you've become distracted. You've become just overwhelmed with things that have gotten you off the path to drawing close to Christ and becoming more and more like him. The Holy Spirit is calling you this morning, and he's not calling you as some sort of bounty hunter. He's calling you as a father who loves you and wants to protect you and wants to take care of you and provide for all of your needs. That's where he's coming. Um, Jesus' very first miracle, his very first miracle, John chapter 2, that we found recorded in the Gospels. Of course, turning water into wine. Interestingly enough, it wasn't healing. Uh, It wasn't raising the dead. It wasn't feeding the poor. It was providing more wine at the end of a long wedding festival. But, you know, they had run out. But it was really interesting when you look at what was going on here. Jesus had the servants fill these big jars, these really, really big jars with water, and these jars were ceremonial. They, they, they represented ceremonial cleansing and purification. That's what these, these were used for. And Jesus told the servants, go and fill these things up. And they went and they filled up a bunch of them. And, and theologians tell us that just doing the math, uh, that chances are there were like hundreds of bottles of wine that Jesus made in that miracle. I mean, this is at the end of, uh, of this wedding, and like 600-plus bottles of wine. It's like, what's up with that? I think it's just a reminder that the mercy of God, the grace of God, the cleansing, the purification of God, Jesus was revealing the Father whose mercy and love and grace is endless. It's not going to run out. It hasn't run out for you, and and it won't run out for you. Today is the day of salvation. But while today is today and salvation is being offered, it is about saying yes today. Yes today. Jesus revealing the Father, the Father who is filled with joy, abundance, mercy, and forgiveness that's never in short supply. He invites us to come and to experience his love. Let's stand together this morning.